I'm Jordan Marr, and this is The Ruminant, a podcast about food politics and food security and the cultural and practical aspects of farming. You can find out more at theruminant.ca or email me, editor at theruminant.ca. I'm on Twitter, at ruminantblog, or find me on Facebook. All right, let's do a show. Chapman Fruit Company. No one is available to take your call at this time. If you know the extension you wish to reach and would like to leave a message, you can dial it at any time. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. If you feel you have reached this recording in error, please check the number and try your call again. Hello. You have reached Rocky Ridge Organics. Please leave me a message. Hello, Rocky Ridge Organics. This is a farmer up in British Columbia, and I was cold calling you to hopefully spend five minutes on the phone asking you how it's going. Hey, Margie, my name is Jordan. I'm a farmer in British Columbia who produces a podcast for other farmers, and I'm doing this thing during the pandemic where I make cold calls uh, to farmers and to extension specialists like you. I was hoping to catch you on the phone to chat for five minutes. Let's come back out west then. Um... Uh, I don't want to call someone I know. I want to call a stranger. Let's go to... Let's try... Farms around Nanaimo. Here are the listings for farms near Nanaimo. Hello? Hello. Uh, is this Morgan Creek Farm? Yes, it is. Hey. Who's this? This is Jordan. I'm a farmer in Kelowna. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm doing a bit of a shtick right now where I cold call farmers and just <laughs> try and find someone who will talk to me for five minutes about how it's going during the pandemic. Okay, sure. Go ahead. Oh, wonderful. So real quick, what's your first name and what kind of farm do you have? Sure. Well, my name's Aaron, Aaron Grant, and we've, we've tried to do a diverse farm with, you know, fruits and vegetables and bees and animals and um so we have lots of things like chickens and uh, turkeys and lamb we've had pigs in the past but we stopped that um and we have you know gardens but there was no garden here before so we've had to sort of you know make one from scratch yeah what what has been your primary sales channels leading into this year uh well direct um to mostly co-workers and uh and family and friends uh like we're our, our income isn't very great um, and, you know, we've been showing a loss, you know, fairly healthily <laughs> since we started, but, um, you know, the, the place was in a bit of rough shape when we got it. And so, uh, but yeah, generally the, the sales have been sort of at the farm. Uh, we've been dabbling with farmer's markets, but for the most part, it's been through direct contact. And, and is like, at least so far, has this been more about secondary income and you have other jobs or is, are you aiming for this to be primary income? Uh, good question. Yeah, we're, we're sort of. Um, my wife's off work right now for medical uh, reasons, and, and I'm a, a teacher um, that has transitioned from full-time teaching to part-time teaching, so as a substitute, mm-hmm. so I can work when I want to and, and then work here when I um, have to. Have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, you know, it, it's a long day because, you know, I have, we have chickens and stuff, so I'm, I'm you know, six, 6 o'clock in the morning until 9 p.m. is, is, is a day. Um, you know, with, with obviously some downtimes, but 
we just had a meat bird, uh, a batch of meat birds go to market yesterday and they're all sold and uh, got another batch next week. And then we have turkeys picking up turkeys this Friday. And how, yeah. so how is it overall, how's it gone for you? You know, how is, how is, how have you had to adapt if at all for the pandemic in terms of sales or in any other way? Well, actually, it's been beneficial, actually, to be honest. Um, the online, our farmer's market uh, wasn't able to open at first, so they went online. And so we, we joined the online farmer's market, which actually helped us because we're such a small small farm from a product volume perspective. We were able to sort of offer things like bags of manure and um, bags of stinging nettle that, that otherwise you wouldn't take to a farmer's market because mm-hmm. everyone would be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> And so we were selling things that were otherwise unsellable or, or like I was sort of making a list of things that I could potentially sell through this system. And it was sort of like surprisingly all the things I was like, oh, yeah, I could sell uh, mullen, mullen leaves. You know, you're familiar with mullen. Yeah, up, up absolutely. So I was selling mullen leaves, not a lot of them, but uh, we have some mullen in our bee garden. Um and then the other benefit would be that we got an employee. Uh, we haven't hired them yet, but we have some funding from the government to hire an employee through the summer jobs program. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been another nice benefit. Um, you know, and then I have been able to work more on the farm because I'm not teaching anymore. Um, so that's been other good things. I've had more time to sort of put into the farm and do some planning and expansion and that sort of stuff. I, I want to pick up on one thing you mentioned, and by the way, like kick me off the phone when you're ready for this to be over. But um, okay. it is it is like one neat thing about selling online, isn't it? When when suddenly like there's just certain products that you have in such low supply or they're so weird, you wouldn't bother to pre-harvest them or pre-arrange them when you don't have right. them sold. But when they're pre-sold, I'm going to guess, I'm going to take a wild guess and that you're using local line. Is that the software that is associated with your farmer's market? To be honest, I don't even know. Um, it's a it's a website that uh, that they are choosing to use, and we just send in a spreadsheet um, to some guy <laughs> that that inserts it into the spreadsheets or in, into the uh, website. So that we don't have a, an interface. It's just to send oh, in an email. So, oh, that's even that's extra nice. Then you don't have to like yeah. familiarize yourself with a whole new set of um, software. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just to do a spreadsheet with you know, and I just told them to keep it. Um, automatically renewing uh, at the old original um, inventory level, oh, okay. so I have to sort of keep going back to them and said, you know, until something changes, just keep it running. And then does just you know, so, does that mean that like once a week you get an email from that guy who with the orders? Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, the, the orders uh, close on Sunday night, and they let us know on Monday, and then uh, delivery on Wednesday. Um, okay. Well, I'm glad to hear it's going like actually better. That's, that's <laughs> nice to hear for me personally. It's been down, but not way down. I'm, I'm probably down 15 or 20% year over year to this point. And I can, I can mm. live with that. You know, I'm trying to not let it get much lower, but, uh, I was selling 90% to restaurants. So, uh, yeah, that's a you hurt. can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, all right. I'll, I'll just ask you one more question. Um, sure, go ahead. I'm just going to tr- like talk about production real quick. What's, uh, what's your biggest kind of headache or challenge right now on your farm? Um, not knowing what the hell I'm doing sometimes <laughs> or doing too much at the same time. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of scrambled right now because I have so many things in in the works at the moment and some are going great and others are being neglected as, as you know, what farming farming's like, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, and I, and I really don't know enough to, um, appreciate the enterprise budgets for everything that I'm doing. So right now I'm still in experimenting phase. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is which is great because that's what I love to do. But it's also challenging from a you know you know avoiding risks. I, I hate losing, <laughs> and I hate seeing things you know be being neglected and and sometimes you know I'm, i got too many things on my plate to get it all done it sounds like you're does this it, i'm inferring that you're fairly new to farming is that fair to say like is this kind of was this a returning new for you or returning somewhat yeah I, I farmed well i worked on a farm i worked on farms in in the university and high school but uh, um from a management point of view yeah this is sort of my first uh, kick at it and yeah we're four years into having the farm yeah but uh, Every year's got something new, um, and everything seems to be expanding at the same rate you know, on all fronts. And so, you know, like I, I try to go slow. Like you know, like the first year we did five turkeys, and then it was ten turkeys, and now I got fifty turkeys coming. Mm -hmm. um, so we sort of go in stages of, you know, reducing risk by starting small. You know, like now I have you know got seventeen hives and started with two a couple years ago, and so you know we're sort of doing well in that we've manage to have successes enough to sort of start risking a bit more it's funny like i you know i think it's the right move personally to like take it slow in any way you're expanding or trying new things but it's very hard to you can you can literally like tell yourself that but then still take it too fast because it's exciting and fun and whatever but it's the easiest way to get overwhelmed i find sometimes yeah totally take on too much and um, you know you can't be greedy you, you can't be greedy as a farmer um and say oh i'm gonna make make millions on all these enterprises because you know uh it's probably better not to do the budget and figure out what you're make, making mm -hmm. it's more like it's good it's good to have the uh, the uh, mentality of making millions but not actually counting the money <laughs> uh i'm gonna i'm gonna take that piece of advice away from this phone call uh, Aaron, yeah, how did you find how did you find our phone number oh well you'll be pleased to know that i googled uh farms around nanaimo and you were like oh. second listed so that's gonna okay. make you feel pretty good who was first oh no, here well i can tell you if you uh -huh. want i'll turn my uh -huh. phone back on you might have been hmm. first i was just guessing can you um, can you take uh, can you take a guess at who was first you were second in nanaimo hey eh? well what i see is number one is McNabb. Early, nope, not McNabb. Early Girl Urban Farm. Do you, okay. Do you, do you yeah. know it? She's a micro farmer. Um, like she's like on a on an urban sort of scale. And yeah. she probably has good. She's probably doing something Same right problem. with her SEO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh -huh. And then you're second, and Flying Dutchman sure. is third. Um, yeah, and they're just a bee supplier. Yeah. Cool. All right. I, I so appreciate you humoring me. That was fun. I just love getting these snapshots and I will, um, I'll, this will probably go up this week and I'll send you an email with a link. Right. And so can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. What, so what, what do you farm? I have a five acre mixed market garden. I'm certified organic. And Hello. How are, uh, how are deliveries going for you? The deliveries went smoothly. It's been a pretty disappointing day for the ruminant drive cast. A lot of, a lot of voicemails. And, uh, oh, yeah. and then like in terms of calling random farms, you know, there's a category of farm that's big enough to have like an admin person and they're always in shutdown mode. They're like, yeah, no, I'd be happy for you to send us an email outlining what you would like to talk about and I'll pass it on to the owner and maybe you can line something up. So that happened yeah. once last week and once this week. Uh, it's like, come on, I don't, you, you know something, you know something about how it's going. Just give me a, give me something. 
You're sitting at your yeah, desk. Yeah, like, what about you? Yeah, what about you? Are you working? Are you at work? You're yeah. answering the phone. Are you at home right now? It's ex exactly. So I did, I did, I did pass a farm uh, yesterday. I spent the last two days searching for farm equipment all over uh, the Kamloops and Chase area, and I did pass a farm that had all their haying equipment in the barn, along with their stack wagon, which is what I was kind of like spotting for, and a Cessna. <laughs> uh do they have a do they have a take it take it away today rate for all yeah, of it yeah exactly no not exactly so um so are you recording right now yes sorry i should have disclosed that no that that's okay um i wanted to ask you um I, i'm kind of curious to hear from you along the line i guess you you touched on it a little bit but uh you know nobody's interviewing jordan marr uh, like how how are sales going for you now that you're having a little bit more diversity of products? Are things picking up as anticipated? Well, I'm, I'm still on the cusp of the diversity. So like I will definitely 100% have damn baby carrots and beets next week. And the peas will be along soon enough. They're late. Everything's late this year with the cold. So I still don't have the diversity to really uh, give me a good sense because like the way this could work. So I'm down like 20% on the year so far, which like mm -hmm. my sales to mid-June are low enough that that 20%, but in absolute terms, it's not that much money I'm down, right? Like it's a few thousand bucks. So right. I can make that up. So like theoretically, I've set myself up. I've got 500 or more, really 550, 550 families in my system for a la carte ordering, mm -hmm. order when they want, order what they want, blah, blah, blah. And the restaurants are going again, and they're kind of right now ordering around 50 to 60% of what they normally would, right? Okay. So maybe not quite that, but anyway, I'm set up to like make it all work and sell everything. Um, okay. But in this early period of like arugula, 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 um, <laughs> that's a hollaback. They call that a hollaback, Tristan. That's to test the loyalty of my listeners. Some of you will know what that means. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, it's the, the, the household sales are still like up and down. I've never had more than 75 in a week, and this week it was down again to like 20, 25. So, um, okay. yeah, anyway, it's not nothing. And like the cumbersomeness of delivery is so bad of home delivery where I deliver that like I end up being kind of happy when the orders are down because my otherwise my yeah. Wednesday is so effing miserable. So, yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, so that, I don't know. I'm like, you know, the seven stages of grief or whatever. Like, I don't know. Right. What, I don't know what they are, or what in what order. But definitely, like, I was in denial and then resentment, and through those, I was like super anxious a lot of the time and feeling crappy. I'm kind of in accept, like, getting closer to acceptance now and being like, I can't control it. I know that's how I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to try and control the things I can't control. So here we are. I'm just kind of like. Just do your do your damn best, bud. Do your damn best. And I guess when you were in in the part of the cycle that's sort of depression, that was probably just close enough to the status quo that you didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. That's me on a farm. Yeah. Uh, and. So the, another question is about the restaurants. I'm curious whether um, they uh, like 
that 60%, do you think that it's reduced sales volume from them? Do you fear that when uh, they're coming back online, they're not going to be as supportive of local foods as they were before? Are the type of restaurants you're working with kind of immune to that? Or, you know, like, are, is it going to bounce back up to 100% of the sales once they're back at 100% of their sales? I that's I think that's an astute question. And I, I did wonder early on if like part of the effect of all this would be that they would tighten their belts because they, they were like on the ropes, right? And still are. And so yeah. what's going to go first? If they can get cheaper stuff off the truck, uh, maybe they'll just maybe a percentage of their purchases will go there. I don't know the answer, although what I'm seeing so far is like uh, the, my main customers, the one that really drive my income, are they seem like still pretty committed. Um, and like as a bright spot, I just want to mention because you're asking me about this. I have one restaurant. It's a really large corporate, like it's a big. The corporation itself is really big. They own many wineries in this valley. Uh, they're kind of a behemoth. Wow. They go back 20 or 30 years. Um, one of their wineries is like their flagship winery. They're called Mission Hill, and they have two kitchens there, one for a restaurant, one for catering. I know th I've worked with these guys for years, and um, like the two head chefs, the executive chef and then, and then like the other kind of second in command, they've been so supportive from the beginning. Like, first of all, this restaurant every year gives me an advance interest-free of $5,000 to pay for expenses in the winter, and then I just like put it you know, against their purchases through the season. Um, nice. I, they just offered me that a few years ago and have been doing it every year. So there's that. But anyway, this year, like the first thing they did when they were like, when they, all of them were facing possible layoffs, like those two chefs went to bat for me to a very, uh, to a, to a, to ownership that was very receptive and said like, we need to support our suppliers. They're in trouble. So like one of the first things out of the head, the executive chef's mouth was like, Hey, think about different ways to pivot. Like our restaurant, our kitchens are going to be empty. Maybe we can process food. You don't sell and we'll like find a really cheap way for you, like a cheap rate for you, really affordable to use our kitchens. We can do the work for you, like that kind of thing. Like, what can we do? And then Tristan, a little bit after that, I heard back from them, they're like, we've come up with this idea that we're gonna try and guarantee you the same number, same sales this year, no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. We're doing this with our other suppliers. And the way we'll do it, at least to start is, we're gonna like, every couple of weeks we'll order a, a, a big batch of produce boxes from you that we'll pass on that the ownership will pass on to its employees so they wow. were like the ownership was simultaneously supporting its employees and its suppliers at the same time it was like amazing so Man. i've done two so far uh one was worth fifteen hundred dollars in sales the other was like a little bit less twelve hundred or something and wow. um so there's that, and and then they've already asked me like, do, are you ready for another one? We'll do another one. They're open now, but they're you know they're not doing a lot of business right now. But, um, and I was like, th then you know what my response was? I was like, okay, so here's the thing. I'm actually kind of, they 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 asked me two weeks ago, and I'm like, I'm having a great sales week. I'm a little tight right now for supply. Could I? Is there any reason why I couldn't just like bang on your door in a month and say, could we do another? distribution to your staff he's like no we have a budget there's like a line item in our budget for this so just tell us when you have too much products we'll move some of it for you so that's you know that's pretty cool man that's like heartwarming so to get back to your original question um like all my main customers i don't know maybe when i look back on the year at the end of it i'm like oh yeah like they were all like suddenly not buying a few of the the, the more premium items or something but mm -hmm. you know Tristan, we both know like in the industry in general, like in the, in the, in, in, well, let's just talk about restaurants. There's the bakers. There's, there's the ones who 
if they're buying local, they're doing it because they need it on their menu, but don't otherwise care really. But most mm -hmm. of the restaurants I've been working with for a long time, it is like it is a place to go and like cure your cynicism because most of these cooks and chefs and whatever they're like they're super into it they really really love the produce and meat and whatever and they want to help contribute to like a better food system it's it's like heartening for a guy with a black heart like mine yeah well totally i mean that's that story is awesome because it's like that's the dream right like that we've are working to build this community from farms through other businesses to the consumers the consumers care the business cares and then when we have a crisis like this that's 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 how we're building food security right is that that community is able to all pull together like that and keep you know keep as many of us going as possible and maintain what we've accomplished right so that's that's awesome to hear that totally like on the no, this isn't like a flip side example, but like back to the households a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, I actually, I may, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last episode, but like I, I wasn't getting the sales. I had 500 signups and like just getting 20 orders a week. So I, in, in my send out, in my kind of fresh sheet send out, I said, Hey everyone, like I know the way this is supposed to work is I'm supposed to tell you when I'm having trouble, like we get told to like, just talk about when we're struggling. So I'm like, here is a fact. I am not selling all my veggies. I got, and then I just told them I got 500 signups and I'm getting 20 orders. And I, I, it makes me wonder if many of you signed up in a panic just in case the, uh, the food supply chain got affected. Um, and then I was like, but here's the thing, like, in my opinion, that only works if you support your farmers all the time, not just like wait for the catastrophe because your farmer's not going to be around if that if you do it that way so i said it like really politely and my order skyrocketed that week and then they've kind of come down again but again to be clear my last couple weeks i haven't been putting tons of inventory in the store uh just because it's it's selling to the chefs and whatever so um right by the way nice nice move tristan nice move to like <laughs> You know, you knew what was going to happen. You knew that like I'm having a not so great year and you, you knew I was going to ask you how you're doing and you don't want to just have to be like, come out and say like, oh, awesome. Like this is awesome. So, but let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, hey, you sucker who grows salad greens and radishes. How's that going for you? Because selling frozen meat is awesome right now. Anyway, how's it going? It's yeah. going, it's, sales are going well. Uh, I'm sure there are other headaches, but sales are going well, are they not? Yeah, sales are going well. And we are set up, we're lucky enough that we already had a, you know, a large existing customer base going into all of this chaos. And we had, you know, it's right before farmer's market season. And, uh, you know, unlike a vegetable farmer who's waiting to have that variety of produce available, we we sort of arrange our whole year to go into the beginning of farmer's markets with a big stockpile of inventory of frozen food, stuff that we've carried, chickens we carried over from the last season that are ready for this coming year. Um, you know, we want to be, we want to have all our products available at those early markets. So we had a really big inventory um, going into the, the lockdowns and everything. Um, so sales were good. And, and, and now we've come out of the kind of panicky sales stockpiling that we were seeing at the beginning. We just really wanted to reassure our customers, hey, you know, we, our supply chains are looking good. We're still producing. Our schedule is going as planned. And we will come and do our deliveries every two weeks. 
and and we do deliveries to um, to drop points now. So we're no longer doing farmers markets. We're just doing a one hour drop in each of the communities that we deliver to, um, and. And we, we just reassured our customers early on and, you know, we're, we're going to be there. And so we've seen it kind of level back off to uh, to store, sort of steady sales. But w- what we did lose was was like the diversity of different marketing streams we had. You know, we were we were doing restaurants, farmers market sales, pre-order sales. Um, and that diversity allowed us to to pair it back to just the pre-order and deliveries. Um, so that feels a little less resilient now, but I guess that's the whole point is we had that to go to. And, and, and like you, we're seeing restaurants and bakeries are, are slowly starting to order again. Um, orders are, are slowly ramping up from them. So I think we're going to be okay. We're going to make up our sales um, that we've lost in those other means or other ways of, of selling. We're going to make up those lost sales. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. But whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean make up? Yeah. Are you down on the year or are you up overall? No, we're probably up over last year. But when I'm saying lost sales, I mean like losing restaurants, losing the uh, the small vendors who are, are are making prepared foods and selling at farmers markets. They were some of our customers, and um, and then the farmers market walk up sales because we've decided not to be at those markets. So all of this, all of those um sales venues that we've we've lost or stopped doing or were curtailed was it, it equals about 50 percent of our sales so that's what i'm talking about making up um but in terms of like the month to month we've we've made it up and and uh and we're doing fine there but you know the, the thing is it's also funny to see this this is a huge opportunity where people are really looking for local sources of meat and they suddenly, you know, a couple of years ago, it was, uh, it was weird and fringy to pick up your meat in a parking lot. And now all of a sudden it seems like a great idea to everybody to pick up your meat in a parking lot. It's less like a, now it's less like a drug deal and it's more like a, you know, civic, civic hero um, and public health hero. So um, the, the thing is we can't just turn a tap and suddenly make more, make more meat, right? We have all these other bottlenecks and restrictions um, and supply challenges of, you know, we can't get enough organic pigs and we're not allowed to raise any more chickens where we live um, because of regulatory stuff. And um, so there, I think meat producers are going to be facing a lot of challenges, especially in the fall and especially with uh, abattoir and, and, and cut and wrap capacity, because there's there's real strains on that system right now. And and the uh, the slaughter facilities and the butcher shops are are busier than ever and are going to be absolutely packed this this fall they're they're absolutely turning people away and that includes both um you know backyard producers and homesteaders and it it includes uh you know people who are doing this as their livelihood so um you know even though they're not being i'm not seeing small butcher shops um you know shuttering because of covid what they're what they're seeing is is many more people um, diverting animals from commodity streams and slaughtering them locally instead, like beef that would usually get sold to a feedlot. And then also, um, and just a lot more people who are raising a few hogs on their acreage or, um, or, or deciding to slaughter a couple beef this fall for their family. And that all adds up to, uh, to create a lot of strain on, on the existing system. Yeah, that reminds me, I was talking to a colleague recently who um, has a wing of their business that is seeds. And I, 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 I asked them, 
like like how how was it it must have been crazy good this year and he's like yeah like the three month seed selling period we sold six times what we normally do <laughs> and wow uh, which is amazing but it's like your your anecdote partially makes me think like yeah have fun next year when there's 800 more seed companies bud because this is what we do as farmers we pivot to screw <laughs> over the people that are managing to do okay <laughs> because we see them doing okay we rubberneck we're like i want me some of those sales i'm coming for you bud uh uh, disclo yeah, well, disclosure like, i plan to sell some i plan to sell some garden seeds next year uh i will well, i will well, say I, to my death that i had that plan before the pandemic which is true but no one will believe me they'll think i'm a bandwagon well, jumper and I think likewise, when uh, when you uh, put out a podcast that goes out to, um, you know, several or maybe even dozens of farmers, um, one or three of whom are in the region, uh, you know, um, all of a sudden you're going to see a lot of them realizing uh, that these wineries uh, that are so supportive of you, <laughs> I hope your relationships with those places are, are very strong, Jordan. <laughs> it, no, no. See, I'm insulated because like nine out of every 10 farmers I meet who like has sold or tried to sell to restaurants before have a very negative view of the chef farmer relationship, which I happen to like. <laughs> so they're always, all they do is complain. And so it's okay. I can brag about how well it's going and then they'll dip their toes in the water. Well, yeah, no, they're, no, you're right. Cause like I'll dip my toes in the seed selling water and find six things about it. I don't like, so no, your, your point holds. Um, okay. So, so it'll only be those like extremely masochistic farmers who are willing to take advantage of that, uh, <laughs> that type of sales relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, um, I better put my recorder down cause I see some flashing lights. Not, they're not, Ooh. they're not meant for me. Okay. <laughs> We're okay. So I want to, I want to hone in on something. Your pickups, okay. this is a dumb thing, but like you're doing these pickups. One thing I, I already knew that, and one thing I was surprised about is that you're, you're, so you drive like a long way with a massive vehicle full of frozen meat, and there, yep. most of it, if not all of it's pre-ordered, and you stop in each city. There's like four cities in your run or three cities, uh, yep. and you do these pickups. One thing that really surprised me is you only give your customers an hour. Like, that's yeah. like, that's, that's, um, that's, that's the kind of like bold and audacious that I want to be, but I'm too much of a pushover to be like, Hey everyone, you have one hour. Uh, yeah. and, and you're pulling into public or not public, but like, yeah, generally public parking lots. Oh yeah. Public parking lots. And I get that question from other farmers who are thinking about doing this and they're kind of like, did you ask for permission? You know, did you get permission from the, you know, municipality or from the business? And no, I just, I, you know, I part, I, I chose spots that are big enough for me to pull in my massive truck and trailer combination and turn around, which is, is, is going to be a spot that has a lot of room anyway. Um, you know, and it's a, yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of public parking lots or things like that. And so, um, and I'm only there for an hour, so it's not really enough time for uh, anybody to like mobilize a, a bylaw. Yeah. to be, or, or mobilize a bylaw enforcement response. I think it takes them a lot longer than one hour. So, um, so I haven't had any issues with that. I did have my busiest pickup is probably could be up to 80, 80 uh, pickups uh, in that one hour period. So I extended that to two hours as an experiment for a couple drops. And I just found that all that meant was the second hour, I was just sitting around for a long time and waiting for just a few more people to come pick up. So I just changed it back to one hour. Um, and I, I have been really surprised that uh, actually people, you know, it, it seems like pre people are pretty evenly spread out. It's not like everybody comes all at the beginning or all at the end. It's pretty even throughout the hour. And, uh, and what makes that possible right now 
uh, with the number of orders and, and the number of pickups we're doing is prepayment. Like if I was taking payment at the, when I was taking payment at the drop points, only about 30% of people were prepaying and 70% were paying in person with cash or card. And, uh, and then at that time, I would sometimes have a lineup of, of 15 or 20 people waiting. And now with everybody prepaying, like it's like we're to 100% prepayment, we're requiring it pretty much, I'll, I'll make an odd exception, but uh, it, it, the transactions are so quick. Someone walks up, tells me their name, uh, the meat's all organized, alphabetized and, and uh, in the freezers. And I, it takes me usually just, you know, a couple seconds to find their order, hand it to them and they're gone. Uh, so I, I, I hardly ever have more than um, two or three people waiting okay follow-up comment follow-up question comment is prepayment is also power right like if they're not there you don't feel like you're like well see ya like uh, you can you can figure out another way to get your meat i have your money so i don't care i don't i'm not going to waste another 20 minutes of my life uh yeah it does and and also i mean i don't i do them by myself so the last 10 15 minutes when i would be calling and doing reminders i'm busy doing drops like i don't i don't have time to call people for reminders um so i stopped doing it and people uh miss the pickup and the ones who do uh either just plain forgot or they're the kind of usual suspects we have some repeat offenders and i just email them when we get home and say hey you know your thing's still in the freezer you'll have to come get it next time if i was moving a perishable product uh you know then i guess it was prepaid and you just missed out on it but for me it's just the bag just stays in the freezer till next time so it's not a big deal also are you in are you i'm i have a feeling you're not taking credit card payment you're only are you only doing e-transfers because you are like so many small business people you don't want to incur the extra fees no we are we make both an option so the prepayment is by e-transfer or by card through the through the sales platform um but we are really explicit with people we explain you know if you pay with a card it will cost us you know three percent of your transaction and we really prefer e-transfer um and most people are e-transferring but i i just won't you know it's already inconvenient enough to buy local food these are people who are already ordering online and meeting me in a parking lot so if they want to pay with a credit card you know cost of doing business like let's not make it any harder than it has to be well that's the thing i want to make i want to first i want to make a case for for allowing credit card and then i want you uh to convince me why i should change things up a bit to your system because Mm -hmm. i only take credit card for the households right now um, because i am terrified of having to chase down um payments so like you know if someone elects in your because we use the same order system the difference is Mm -hmm. you cannot place an order in my system without paying by credit card whereas with yours you give them you set it so they don't have to pay upon ordering they you know then you just they get a message like please pay um so how much energy is expended each week, like reminding people to pay by e-transfer? The, you know, the ones that had intended to pay by e-transfer. How much? How much time do do, do, do you guys have to like spend on that? It's not it's not a ton, um, but it, there is going through and matching to make sure that the e-transfers, you know, that the invoices were all paid and marking the invoices. 
is, is that because we're packaging, we adjust the total, like people order um, based on an estimated total weight. And then when we pack their order, we update the weight and invoice them. So it doesn't matter whether the person pays by e-transfer or credit card, the sort of like process of having to wait a couple days or, or a week after you made your order before you receive an invoice and pay it is the same. So they receive that invoice the day before the delivery comes. It's like, hey, reminder, your meat's going to be in this parking lot. Please pay this invoice. And I'd say um, probably 90% of people pay before the drop off or 85, 10% maybe pay like at like while they're waiting or right after they get home or something from the drop point and then maybe a couple percent need to be reminded um but it, it's not taking an inordinate amount of time so i will keep offering both but i would not personally i'm not going to take away the credit card option i mean just some people um that would be the straw that broke the camel's back and they would just say all right you know what never mind i'm just going to go down and, and purchase meat from a distributor and then there's the other the person on the other end of the spectrum of which i have one of these customers who from the get-go were like, hey, I want to use your online system, but I don't pay ever buy plastic. Like, I don't have a credit card. I don't do that. So can you accommodate me? Which I did, which is but super annoying. Like, he, he sends me a screenshot of his order because he can't place the order without paying, right? So he sends me a screenshot. So then theoretically, okay, not that big of a deal. I go and then place the order because as the administrator, I can place an order without having received payment. Uh, only I always forget. So then he's been using my pickup point at my farm and like three weeks this season already, he's shown up and then that, so he's placed an order five days ago and I'm like, oh shit. And so then I like steal someone else's produce, give it to him, then ask my wife to watch like the pickup point while I race to my garden to like harvest more stuff. <laughs> it's driving me nuts. And, and little cherry on top. He also, he lives in an RV and, um, doesn't have a lot of storage space and we host meat meat pickup too at the farm like uh, our our your, your and my friends at fresh valley farms and uh he just asked me if he could buy meat from them that they require to buy like a minimum order of 75 bucks so he's like i'll buy the meat and then you'll store it in your freezer i'll buy like pounds of ground beef and then every time i come for my veggies i'll take a pound with me um so uh, I mean, I'll just bleep this out later. My life, Tristan. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't say yes, but I just said, uh, I got to think about it. He's like, yeah, well, I'll pick this up with you later. Anyway. Uh, so, so I think that, I think that you, there, there, there is a case for what I've, you know, some, some, um, farmers that I'm aware of who are a little less obliging than you or I tend to be, uh, do have a concept that uh, uh, enough customers, and if they have a customer that's uh, that's uh, challenging the system in that way, they, they do what's called fire the customer. Like they, they oh, can yeah. let somebody go. No, no, um, I, so I don't know. <laughs> I know you and I are both aware of that concept, Tristan, but as we have discussed before, you and I don't have hearts of gold. We have hearts of... Hearts of stupid, Jordan. Hearts of stupid. We have hearts of stupid. Um, but I really am going to try hard not to store this man's ground beef for him because of his lifestyle choice. Like, because he's probably the same kind of guy that goes tells anyone who will listen, like, you just got to simplify your life. You got to get rid of your possessions. Keep it simple. Yeah. As long as you have another guy to store your shit for you for free. 
Yeah, and then when you put when he posts on vanlife.com that the best thing to do when you're like living the RV lifestyle in uh, in the Okanagan is go get all your veggies from Jordan Marr because he'll store he'll or get all your meat from him because he'll store he'll store anything you need and and just outsource your refrigeration to Jordan and then you're then you're going to be really sad you didn't fire him. By the way, uh, we should cover the basics. Who is this? Who am I speaking to? Oh, this is Tristan Danwell over at uh, Spray Creek Ranch here oh, in Lillooet, British mean, Columbia, Canada. You mean sometime co-host of the Ruminant Podcast, Tristan Danwell of Spray Creek Ranch? Yes, that occasional livestock contributor to this fine publication. Wonderful. So listen, Tristan Banwell, uh, this was fun. Um, I'm at my next stop, so we're done here. But, uh, uh, okay, quick anecdote that I love telling. Uh, I used to have a subscription to Sports Illustrated for kids. I think I've done this with you before, but I'm going to do it again. I don't know about that. Okay, go. And uh, when I was a kid, I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated for kids. And in this one issue, they, 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 inter- they were interviewing one of the NFL's like best centers, the guy who hikes the ball. And yeah. they were like, how did you become a center? Like, it's the position no one wants. He's like, well, in Little League football at tryouts, no one told me that if you didn't want to be the center, just make sure when you're, like, trying out, like, hike the football over the quarterback's head. He's like, no one told me that. So I was the only one that did it properly, and now I'm a center for the rest of my life. And, um, you know, you just gave me a very good Drivecast interview, Tristan, so I'll be talking to you next week, buddy. Well, there's that. Uh, yeah. And then the, uh, the, the, I guess the silver lining is that the guy ended up as the center in the NFL. It is true. It is so true. So maybe, I don't know, it's a, it's a mixed anecdote that you're giving me, you know. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep on contributing and uh, we'll see if that uh, pretty soon we're going to get picked up by a major podcast no, exactly. uh, and network. Later, and, and, and later in his life for his efforts, Tristan started to to earn dozens of dollars a week for his podcast appearances. <laughs> I all, you know, if I get a, uh, a pillow, um, that looks like a piece of sushi from your, uh, you know, online, um, uh, fundraising drive, then I will be, uh, I'll, I'll be made. Oh, you are referring to the ruminant.ca slash gift registry, which is where you can go and purchase a gift for your podcast hosts. Uh, the thing is, I don't, I've, don't know that anyone's ever well yeah the way it works is like no one's those gifts are like suggested like uh, give me the money and i'll go buy that thing um but if anyone wants to send tristan a sushi pillow in the mail uh choose a local business in lillooet to be the care of like google lillooet find a business make them the care of and so send it to that business send it to spray creek ranch care of Home Hardware in Lillooet, British Columbia. Anyway, I got to go, man. This has been fun. We'll okay. talk soon. All right. Talk to you later. Right, bye-bye. Bye. And I'm not kidding, everyone. Um, you can... I did this with Tristan. Like, I found out that um, because they live so far off the beaten path, he sometimes gets stuff sent to him to, like, a business uh, in downtown Lillooet. Like, there's a designated business that did that for locals, but I just, like, randomly chose a business out of the business directory and sent him something once, and we kind of had some fun with that. Anyway, I do really have to go. I do really have a delivery. Uh, talk to you soon. Hello? In response to current events, your online presence on search engines like Google is more important than ever. Press 1 now to verify and update your free Google listing. Press 9 to be removed from the list.
amongst larger organizations in their industry. The best part is we do it for you, so you can remain focused on what you do. Your call is very... Did you press one to confirm your business listing on Google? Yeah. Hi, and who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? This is Jordan. George or Jordan? Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Uh, purpose of the call is just to make sure that the information listed about your business is listed correctly, uh, both on Google and Google Maps, uh, but more importantly, to make sure your customers can find you if they're searching online. Are you the owner of the business? Yeah, who are you representing? We're with Brand Rep. We're a certified Google partner. What does it mean? And what we're calling it? it's a courtesy to you to, to uh, make sure your listing is updated and correct on Google Maps. What, what does it mean? Uh, when what does was it the last time you checked your listing, George? Yeah, no, no, I'm, I mean, I'm interested in talking about that. I'm just curious, what does it mean to be a certified Google partner? Well, uh, first of all, Google is just a search engine, and what they do is they employ um, companies across the United States to work with them. They become certified, so they work with uh, businesses, small businesses across North America to uh, do things like uh, search engine optimization, update their listing, their Google My Business, uh, and also place ads if uh, companies are interested in doing that. Uh, the purpose of my call today is the verification of just your information um, online. Are you the owner of the food artisan of uh, Oct uh, Is it Octagon? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't. I don't know what you're. Say that again. What's the What's the business you have in front of you? Well, I've got a couple here. Uh, it looks like a couple are tied to that phone number. That's why I'm asking you which uh -huh. it is. Uh, there's a Vintner Farmer Chef Diners at 4855 McKinnon tied to that number and also uh, Food Artisan. Vintner Farmer Chef is a failed side hustle that I tried some years back. It's just you're looking at the ghost of shattered, like shattered dreams. But you don't have to feel bad. <laughs> it, it didn't cost oh me a lot. Oh my god! How far back does that go? I don't know, eight years, <laughs> something like that. I was I was the farmer of that trio, Vintner oh, Farmer Chef. Congratulations! Well, I have a lot of respect for farmers. I had a, an old uncle back in Ohio. Uh, that's tough work, I tell you that. That's for sure. Uh, so, what's the name of the new entity? And I'll uh, look that up here. I also got a couple ideas that you can do to make sure you remove uh, the old address. I just but let's uh, let's make sure that the existing one is correct. All right. Well, I'm a little suspicious, and let me just say right now that I can draw a line between your intentions as a guy just like doing his job and whatever your company's doing. But it seems like you, you're 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 harvesting information from me in under the guise of like checking something, but. But really, you just want to sell me some services, right? Well, you really do have a uh, pessimistic and sarcastic view of life. Uh, this is actually a verification. <laughs> no, 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 what it's you do not. With it's, the information is is up to you. But listen, but, uh, this, this isn't it, my. It's not my first rodeo. I didn't have to press one. 
I, I don't have a super sarcastic view of life. I, I, I personally am a straight shooter. When someone calls me with the intent to eventually try and sell me something, I'm not against being sold to. I don't like when it's done under a veil of not selling, right? Like when, when it's done with kind of under false pretenses and I'm just trying to understand what, well, let, what yeah, what, let me let me answer that. Let me answer your so there's two parts to this. The first part is absolutely free. It's a free verification of your information. We looked at things like how quick your website loads and and we make sure all the information. We also test to see how easy it is for your clients to find you. So, you know, that's value-added information you could take with you uh, on there. Now, at the end, if you, if you find out, and I won't know this until we look at your listing, see how it stacks if you want to attack that competition, there are ways, and, and that's not my department, but I'm the verification department. I transfer you over to a marketing advisor that can help you with that, but that's absolutely optional for you. Mm -hmm. All right, well, uh, I think, look, I'm gonna get called by your company again. I get these calls at pretty irritating rate, like once a week, twice a week at least. They're probably not all from your company. Uh, but I think my next step is I want to go and Google this idea of a Google certified company so that the next time I receive a call, because uh, I'm suspicious about that. I think that's a marketing term that doesn't mean anything. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a fair bit in my life, but um, I just want to understand what that means. Well, are, I, you, are, you, uh, are you at, do you have a, are you at uh, right sorry. now? Sorry, could you say that again? Because we briefly lost connection. Am I what? Are you near a computer right now? No, no, no. I'm. Uh, I've got you in Bluetooth in my delivery van. <laughs> uh, and you're you're traveling. I'm well, traveling. I, I. It's really easy. All you have to do is look up brand rep. That's B R A N D, rep. R E P. Yeah. We're one of uh, several. A certified Google partners. We've been doing it since 2010 is when we got our certification and we've helped over 70,000 small businesses across uh, America. So uh, we, we help, we help businesses basically get seen on the internet. Uh, we do that through search engine optimization. And uh, that's probably one of your most powerful business tools. If you're looking for customers, you know how it works when people are searching uh, for goods and services online. They're going on, they're using their Google Maps and they're saying a sushi restaurant near me and they're clicking on those who are in the top three. Oh yeah. And that's what we can do for you. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure I can use uh, some help, uh, but for now I don't want to take the conversation any further. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take a look. You said uh, Brand Rep, that's the name of the company. Yeah, and, and as a courtesy to you, since you know you you shared with me what was near and dear to your heart, uh, would you give me the opportunity to call you back after lunch? Uh, I will give you the opportunity to call me back. Not today. Uh, it's an insane day, and but you're welcome to call me back. Sure, I, I'm not. Yeah, I just want to do a bit of research myself. Okay. So here, here, here's what I do to show you that I'm real. I'm going to ask you what your favorite color is. And when I call you back, I'm going to tell you what you told me. So you All know right. it's me. All right. That sounds like a good 
verification uh, uh, strategy. My, I'll, we'll go with green. And that way you can you can block everyone else. What's your favorite color? Green. Now you you never told me your name. I told you my name, but I never. I will you tell never you told my me name. Unless we get. My name is Jordan. And All right. Yeah. I'm like. Sorry. Okay, Jordan the farmer. Jordan the farmer. All right, Jordan. I'll I'll call you tomorrow, and uh, hopefully by then you'll have looked up uh, brand. And I encourage you. We always encourage our clients to look at that, and you'll see that we've been doing this a long, long time. We're based in Irvine, California, and. We work with companies not only in the U.S. but in uh, Canada as well. So we service all of North America. Why does it list as coming from Florida then? It was a Florida number that I answered. Uh, that, that's a great question. We've got a lot of, uh, many of us are working out of our uh, remote location because of COVID-19. We don't come back to the office until uh, the first of next month. So you might be seeing a phone number that comes up. Uh, that's different than you know what our normal is but that's very common if you're if you're dialing out of an IP address right hey wait a second I just figured out that our our verification game isn't gonna work you could just tell the next person you could write that in my file it's okay I, I hear your voice I'll know if it's you but I'm not I I don't buy into this what's your favorite color thing any longer I'm I, I yeah uh, okay it's okay you can well you, I, you, I, there's there are, there you, were there I'll were other I'll tell you something personal, uh, that uh, I had an uncle who did farming in Ohio, which I told you at the top of the conversation. Cool. And you can, if you call me back, you can reference, uh, you can reference something else custom from this conversation, and then we will proceed. So I look forward to your call. Okay. And, uh, uh, yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, and do that, <laughs> Jordan. You have a great day, okay? You, you too. Bye-bye. I don't need anything to live on Except for a little old you I've met a whole army of weasels A legion of leeches Trying to give me the screw But if we bury ourselves in the woods In the country Wear no clothes so we never have laundry We'll owe nothing to this world of thieves Live life like it was meant to be our don't fret, honey. I've got a plan to make our final escape. All we'll need is each other a hundred dollars and maybe a roll of duct tape. And we'll run right outside of the city's reaches. We'll live off chestnut spring water and peaches. We'll owe nothing to this world of thieves and live life like it was meant to be. trying to bleed us dry we could be happy with life in the country with salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands i've been doing a lot of thinking some 
is my final resolve I don't need a big old house or some fancy car To keep my love going strong So we'll run right out into the wilds and graces We'll keep close quarters with gentle faces And live next door to the birds and the bees And live life like it was meant to be I'll tell you what, if you call me with that recorder running, I will spray you with a bovine chemical and you will never have any problem with worms or long relationships.